All right. Okay. So can you hear me well? Yeah. Does it work? Okay. So let's let's go to the first slide really quick. Um, so that's us. I'm Alex, Ashley, my wife, and my daughter Vivian. She's 11 months. Um, she will be 12 months, August the 18th. I said that correctly. I think so. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, Tio, now that you're Tio, you, maybe you can give her something for her birthday. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, okay. <laughs> All right. So, as uh, Del was saying, um, I'm in the Clase Hispana leadership, and I also did uh, ministry work in Costa Rica. I was in Iglesia del Este, which you will see probably in the slides eventually. For like 18 years, more or less, something like that, almost since the beginning, I went through discipleship one, two, or if you want to say foundations one, two, three. I mean, you know what's kind of funny? When I joined Costa Rica, the church in Costa Rica, the first course that I took was foundations. So the fact that now it's called foundations here, it's kind of like, wait a second. You know, we're, we're going back to that. Okay. So that's, that's great. It works perfect because they're foundations. So it's good. Um, went through the or local Bible Institute, got engaged in jail ministry, evangelism, open air preaching. That's kind of stuff that I used to like to do. Um, and uh, I was involved in a lot of stuff. Um, we're seeing a few of the ministries. So I was kind of like doing this and that. Uh, there are a few ones that I normally don't don't say out loud because um, I, I remember Rosie asking me if I could sing. And I was kind of like terribly like worried to say I was leading the worship team in Costa Rica. And I'm like, no, please don't ask me anything related to singing. I'm on vacations, even though that thing is not a thing. I know it doesn't exist when you're in the ministry. There's no such thing as vacations, but please don't put me on the spot. Like, and and the, the, the closest thing I could say was like, I mean, I guess I'm over the place most of the time. And I was like all nervous and I didn't know what to say. And she said, well, you can be with Ian. And I'm like, yes, she's not going to ask me for anything else. That's good, that's great. And now that I just said that, I'm thinking that maybe I should keep my mouth shut. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I should have not said that. Okay, can we just like go back and, no, we can't. We cannot erase that. So, um, so yeah, and missions is something that I have always wanted to be involved. When I was saved uh, 20 years ago, I know, I know, honey. Yeah, you were born in Kansas. I'm Costa Rican. Your mom is from Louisiana. So what, what else could be like more spread than that, right? Um, I remember the first mentor I had was a missionary from Ecuador. So the first three, four years of my training in the ministry was being with missionaries all the time and doing missions. And somehow he thought that after I was being like, I don't know, say for a year, I was in charge of like training other people in, in evangelism, separation and missions. I guess he knew what he was doing. In my brain, I was thinking, I'm too green, you're crazy, but I did it anyways. So I did that for three, four years, right? So I went to the mountains in the middle of nowhere and we were doing translation from English to Spanish to Spanish to a local dialect that only Indians will actually be able to say. say. So I hope that worked because it was medical stuff, right? So when they were asking about like, well, this hurts and everything, and we were translating three or four different languages, I hope that it was okay, right? So, so far nobody has said that anything happened. So I'm, I'm hoping that was good. 
um, I went to different countries too, Nicaragua and stuff like that. And um, then eventually what happened was that I realized that if I was going to be training other people, I needed to be better equipped. So that's when I start praying again. And I was kind of like, Lord, okay, so now I'm saved. So that was a, gr a great, gigantic, huge prayer request. And I'm going to tell you why in a moment, once we are in the message. Um, then he showed me this missionary for KCBT, right? And that was the guy that mentored me the second time. Um, he had a different style of training people. Uh, somehow it worked with me because I'm sometimes emotionally detached. So I was kind of like more like boot camp. Um, and it was kind of like, hey, you need to learn all this stuff. So get going, get, get, get into it, learn it. And uh, since I have a background in software engineering, it was okay with me because, you know, textbook study, be applied, you know, be responsible kind of thing, be structured, it kind of worked, right? So I did that. And then he said, well, now what? And I'm like, I don't know, you know? And I said, no, you're barely beginning. You know, like you got your D1 or foundations and all that stuff, then you go to your LFBI training. And then most of us like have like this weird idea of like, oh, I'm ready. I'll take whatever it is. No, you're barely learning. So then that was the next like 12 years of ministry where I have to figure out a lot of stuff and do a lot of stuff and be involved in different things and areas. Um, and then it was time for us to continue our plan. Since 2009, it was part of the plan to relocate to the United States and continue studies and stuff like that and be training all in, and equipping all the areas that I was not able to when I was in Costa Rica. And uh, I'm going to say it, it doesn't matter. So I don't know if you guys knew this, but this is one of those things that I also keep like secret, kind of secret, not that secret, but I keep it to myself. Midtown was not the church that was like in my top one list. <laughs> but if you know how God works, it's so crazy. Back in 2009, I was in KCBT. I was, uh, you know, meeting new people, went to UMKC, talked to the master's program lady and everything. I was already trying to enroll and get the master's degree, blah, 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 yaddy, yaddy, yaddy. Then a couple of years later, then that was not an option. There was a new church in Olin Park. And then a few later, years later, that's not the option. It's Merriam, you know, a church in Merriam. And then back to, in 2018, what was the time where we were like, okay, I have my passport, I have all the paperwork, we're relocating. Now what? All of the options that I have been working for the past eight years, they're not there anymore. Now what? What should I do now? So I, I, I came here and in 2017, more or less, I met Pastor Best in Costa Rica and in, in the church of Iglesia, Iglesia del Norte, which is uh, led by Carlos Salazar, which is actually one of my closest friends, which is also Will's brother-in-law. And he was also a pastor and he was trained also in Iglesia del Este and that's how everything connects. And, uh, and we met and he said, well, if God is moving all the options away from you, maybe MBT might be a good place for you to go. <laughs> and I heard Will saying, my, which is dude in Costa Rica, and I will help you if you don't move to Kansas City and come to the church. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I guess it's decided, right? Because he will hate me forever and ever. And I have known him for 20 years, so I know that he's being serious about it. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? Fine. So we came here, and, and after a few weeks 
uh, trying to adjust to the different culture of MBT. Uh, it's different from what we were doing in Costa Rica. Um, I said, you know what? God has a reason. And I think that he moved it here for a reason. You know, I had like 10, 10 options in the list. And once I started looking through them, I said, I couldn't possibly go there. No, not that one. No, not that one. No, not that one. Yeah. I'm like, it was MBT or Lee Summit or Harvest. And I'm like, well, that kind of makes it easy, right? You know, this one, MBT, because Will will hate me forever and ever. So <laughs> let's do that, right? So that's how I end up here. Okay, if you ever were wondering how on earth I end up being here, that's the story, okay? So today we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. Um, I have a few things to share with you guys. And I have a plan B in case that there's not enough time and even a plan C because that's how my brain works, okay? I'm already thinking that it's not going to work and I don't know why I have all these plans, but that's how my brain works. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. And the reason why we're in chapter, uh, Romans chapter 12 is because in the past few months in Clase Hispana, we did a mini series about serving and spiritual gifts, okay? And I just want to say this, this was for me, okay? I did this for me because when I left Costa Rica and the 12, 15 different ministries that I was overseeing or being involved with, I came to my MB, I mean, my MBT, see that's my brain just like, that. see what's doing my MBT to my brain? Okay, so I help with my MBT here in case you're wondering, okay? which is our database for the church. Okay, so what happened is that I relocated here and then I told myself, you need to go back to basics. You have been doing ministry for so long and you have been doing this and you have been like, you know, I was in my pastoral team and I was doing this and leading this and leading that, that how do you just simply be a Christian without all the titles and all the, and, and all the stuff, okay? So I came to this conclusion. I'm like, I need to go back to basics. So I need to learn how to be a servant and I need to learn, you know, how to just do my Christian duties like any other person will do. You know, like my roles are changing around me and we have a very young class, which is like probably four or five years old. And most of our people in our class are new Christians that have never been exposed to structures of a church or anything. So they're like, now what? And we keep bombarding them like, you need to be in discipleship. And if you're not in discipleship, you need to be discipling someone. And if you're not in that, then you need to be in the left behind. Sure, for someone that has been doing that for 20 years, that actually might actually sound very straightforward. But if you're new to it, Lord, thank you for foundations one, two, and three, because it's those numbers, I mean, it's not that hard. You know, foundations one, two, and three, right? You take them in order, right? So I'm like, okay, so let's just try to do something like that. So we went through a mini series of like three, four messages. We talk about deacons and we talk about servants and we talk about like spiritual gifts because one of those questions is always, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing and I don't know what I'm good at. Well, what are your gifts? I have no clue. All right, maybe we should talk about that. Okay, so we're not getting there because then I will need like four hours to do the mini series, but we're going to go to Christian duties that applies to everybody, right? And that's in Romans chapter 12, verse nine. But I want you to get a little bit of context and it starts 
in verse 1 saying, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Why do you think it's a reasonable service? I don't have a lot of time to just let you guys talk to me, so I'm just going to tell you. And the reason is because Christ died on the cross 100%. Do we see that? Okay? Or service cannot be 10%. And I picked that number almost on purpose. You know, we need to get our brains away from this kind of numbers. And for those that are a little bit more, you know, into the Bible, probably someone says, well, technically is three thighs so that's like 30 percent but one of them is every three years so it's like 23 percent okay smarty pants i knew that still you don't give 20 percent to god either why because <laughs> he died on the cross 100 percent it would be ridiculous if someone came to me and said you know what god died on the cross but he only died halfway so your sins are forgiven halfway. Oh, well, that's great. <laughs> Which of my sins were forgiven? I really hope the bigger ones, right? You see how illogical that is? But that's how we do our, our Christian service. We put numbers to it. So reasonable service means 100%. You're all in. You are either all in or you're not doing anything. You cannot be half-baked. Okay? So it continues saying... Not conform to this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind. That's verse 2. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So this is a very visual thing that I was told when I was young, like a long time. You grab your Bible, and not literally, but it's just, you know, an explanation. You grab this, and you push this in your head, and then all the nastiness should be overflowing. That's kind of like the concept. The good goes in and the bad goes out, right? After 20 years of doing that, I have to tell you, and I don't know if, if, if saying this in front of you guys will freak you out or not, but I can't believe how much trash I have in my head. And it keeps going. It is never ending. So you have to renew your mind daily in every occasion. Guys, I'm so sorry, but I remember when we have a few of our guys going through the entire and, and, I, and I hate use the word program because discipleship is not a program. So we, we know that, but we also sometimes talk like that. Oh, you did that course and this course and that course. And people's brain is kind of like, oh, I already went through all of the Bible Institute. So I'm ready. No, you're not. That goes against what God is saying. Once I had all the tools and I was prepped, it was time for me to sit by myself and stop asking my, my pastor or my mentor or whatever, and I still do. Nowadays, I still validate some of the stuff that I see, just like Sam says. If you're the only one seeing it, you might be actually a little bit nuts, you know? So make sure to, yeah, I mean, well, he probably said it in a nicer way, but, but, but he's totally right. If you're the only one seeing something, maybe you should go to your Bible leader, you know, like Bible study leader. Maybe you should go to Theo Dell and then like, hey, I saw this the other day on my, on my uh, alone time. A little bit wacko. Have you seen this before? And then he says, oh yeah, bro, that's totally fine. Then you're too nuts and that's fine. You know, both of you are crazy and that's totally fine. That's completely okay, right? So, but that's important. And then in verse two says, 
not to think of himself more highly than I do ought to think, but to think soberly according unto God, has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Again, if Christ is the measure, if Christ is the bar that I need to meet, I love Dell a lot. You, you have no idea. I mean, if I tease him, that's love. My wife says that that's a really strange way of love, calls it like Apache love that is kind of like rough around the ages. I don't know. I don't understand. I think it works. I mean, but if I tease people, normally it's because I really like them. I do the same thing with Mr. Playa. See, there you go. He's not Mr. Beach. He's Mr. Playa because that's Spanish, okay? So deal with it. <laughs> But the thing is that if this is God, then why do I, uh, or Christ, why do I compare myself with Dell? I mean, it's awesome that I would like to follow him because if he's following Christ, that's great. But we do this as humans. I'm not as cool as Dell, or I'm not as bad as Dell, right? So I'm not doing that bad. I mean, but Christ is the measure. So you should never think about yourself more than anything. That's just ludicrous. Makes no sense. You're nothing. Sorry. I mean, I don't want to be mean, but it's true. <laughs> okay, so verses four to eight is talking about gifts. I'm going to uh, skip that and fast forward to verse nine. And then it says, let love be without dissimulation of or that which is evil cleave to what which is good. All right. And when I see the word love in the Bible, and this is because I was born and raised in Latin America, forgive me. <clears throat> but I was exposed to telenovelas a lot. And if you don't know what a telenovela is, it's a soap opera. And when I see Maria Antonieta, the Rosario, blah, 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 and the name is like 10 names, looking at the heir of the ranch, which is Juan Fernando de Los Angeles, and like another 10 names, and then they fall in love, right? And that's how Hollywood and TV portrays love. That's not how God portrays love. Just check what uh, John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16 says, you know? Love the world that he gave his only begotten son, okay? That doesn't sound like butterflies in my stomach at all. And then I grab 1 John 3.16, which I don't know if you guys notice how convenient that is, you know? Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. So love, biblically speaking, is sacrifice. Love in the Bible is not a feeling in your belly. I, I get it. You were young, you had a girlfriend you really like, or a boyfriend, all that stuff. Um, I understand. But then you get married, and then stuff happens, and then turns more like Shrek, and I like Shrek. And then you start wandering your brain. What happened to the butterflies? Well, they died. <laughs> Simple as that. So you have to make a decision. Am I going to love this person and lay down my life for her? And if you're a real Christian, the answer is yes. Because that's what Christ did for you. And that's what he wants you to do for, you know, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Abort that which is evil, you know, abort, it's, 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 you know, if you, if you, and, and some of this, it just, it's interesting. I mean, okay. 
So I'm, I'm very transparent and I'm very honest when I, when I speak and sometimes I get in trouble because of that. So that's probably the reason why sometimes I keep my mouth shut and you think that he's quiet, but actually I just talk and talk and talk and talk, but I just, I'm afraid that I will say what I'm thinking really. Once I got all this stuff of like Bible Institute done and everything, and I got into the, the, the thing about getting a master's in theology and yaddy, yaddy, yaddy. And I'm still like super excited about that. And one day I want to be like my dad. My dad is Dr. Vargas, but he's a medical doctor. So, and my mom said, what have I done? Cause they're not Christian. So pray for them, by the way. Um, she thinks that the fact that I decided to be a, uh, be in the pastoral team and, and dedicate my life to teach the Bible and not do other stuff like science. It's crazy. So, so part, part of that is kind of like, well, I will just continue studying theology. So I'll eventually be Dr. Vargas, but in theology, right? So, and she kind of looked at me like, uh, there's something off. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So, you know, something that I learned really quick and, and by this, I'm not trying to say, don't get involved in an FBI, get involved in an FBI. But there's a lot of stuff that you can get sorted out with a dictionary like Merriam-Webster, a Strong's Dictionary and your Bible. So spending 30, 40,000, that's why I support LFBI so much. The cost of a credit, Brandon asked me, is that good? Cause I asked him like, are we really asking 40 bucks for a credit? He thought I was freaking out. And my response was like, are you insane? They want $300, $500 for, per credit for my master's. Are you insane? $40 is nothing. Well, okay, now he's going to raise it for 80. I'm sorry, guys, that's on me. <sighs> but really, it's not expensive, right? And then at the end of the day, you get all this information, which is amazing. It's awesome. It really helps you open and understand your Bible because it's just like a puzzle. And it just all the pieces fall together. And then you realize, wait, and I went and got a master's or even a doctorate and everything. And at the end, I use a concordance and a dictionary that I can buy for 10 bucks or use one digital because I use eSword and everything is free. You know, I mean, seriously? Yes, seriously. So having said that and having my mini rent over there, <laughs> or it just means that you'd have to detest something utterly, okay? extremely detest what is evil. That's what that means. And I just found that using a dictionary. That's the entire thing, reason why I said that, okay? So look what Psalms 97, 10 says, ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserved the souls of his saints. He delivered them out of the hand of the wicked. So if you love the Lord, you have to hate evil. Now, please, I'm going to make, make this explanation because this is the same verse that I'm reading that says that you have to love and you have to lay down your life and it has to be sacrificial love. So you hate evil. You don't hate your brother or sister that is putting you to a test. You see the difference? And if you don't, I'm going to use an example. Let's say that Dell did something that is sinful. I don't hate Dell. I lay down my life for him and I look for him and I seek for him and I don't just simply throw him under the bus. We're good at that. We humans do that kind of stuff. And I just put them aside and I say, brother, you did this or you said this. That's not very Christian of you, but I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to pray for you. I'm here to love you. How can I help you to get you out of that mistake or whatever thing is? 
So that doesn't mean that I'm accepting or I'm, or I'm okay with whatever evilness he did. I'm showing love and still being capable of extremely detest whatever evil thing happened. That's, that's how you're supposed to be leaving, uh, seeing this. And cleave, cleave means to glue, to stick. So you need to stick to what is good. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think of these things. That's a, it's a great principle. That's a great principle. So Dale already talked about going to the, to the uh, Bible study leader, getting involved in LFBI. So I'm not going to give you the promo kit again. Uh, I think it was, it's, it's just, it's needed. So wherever you are, continue. And if you need help, seek for guidance. If you're in D1 or uh, uh, Foundations 1, go ahead. You know, submit to that. Submit to those 10, 12 months, eight months. I don't know the speed that you guys do it because I know that depending on your age, we actually do it every two weeks or every week, you know, because people have things to do, right? But do it. Submit to it. Do it with all your heart. And then if you do Foundations 2, Foundations 3, the same thing. And then if you get involved in LFBI, the same thing. Verse 10 says, be kindly affectionate one another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Look, Ephesians 4.32 says, and be ye kind of one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And in 1 John 3.16.17 continues saying, but who also hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shut it up his bowel of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Basically, in simple words, if you say that you love God and you can see your brother suffering, I'm going to say something strong. I have doubts that you're a real Christian. Because the mark of a real Christian is understanding Christ's sacrifice on the cross and being able to portray it and be able to live that. Not in words. We need to stop being people that just do this with our lips and be people that actually do this with our lives. You know? That's part of the reason why a lot of people around me don't want to be a Christian. Because of the bad testimony that they see in other people. And like, well, you say that, but, you know, and, okay, another thing of transparency. One of the reasons why I don't tell people most of the time that I was ordained as a pastor, it's not because I'm, I, I, it's not because of my service to God. It's because what that means, what, what that means in Costa Rica. People made fun of it. They will say stuff like that. So you never studied. So you were never able to do anything in life. Therefore, you just do that. That's their, that's their reasoning. And once they will find out that I actually have a cool job and I actually have a cool degree of software engineering, blah, 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 yaddy, yaddy, boring for those that are not geek, you know, it's true. My wife says that she thinks that I'm playing because my computer always has like letters and colors and I'm coding. She's like, that looks like you're playing. And that's YouTube. Definitely that's YouTube. Okay, I'm on my break. Don't judge. <laughs> so, but the truth is, People will respect me more in Costa Rica because of my degree. And that was sad. It really made me sad because I'm like, wait, 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 wait. 
you don't think being a pastor is a serious thing? And they were like, why would I? Have you seen the, ma the majority of them here? They steal from the people. So they see that. I don't know how many people came to, to our church saying, do you force, uh, let's say, uh, I mean, I don't know what the equivalent is. Okay, I'm just going to say payslip, right? So we have payslips in Costa Rica. It's government thing. Everybody has to be under the government, blah, 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 yaddy. You get a payslip, it's sent to you. So the government knows exactly what you make and all that stuff. Um, so one guy came to, to church one day and said, do you require my payslip for the, to process my membership? I was seriously between angry and sad that I didn't know which of the two things react to. And I said, what do you mean? And this guy was just super humble person that was struggling to keep his family afloat. If you don't know, the average salary in Costa Rica can be as low as a thousand bucks per month for a five people family. Okay, and if rent is 300, 400 bucks, then you can imagine that it's, you know, it's not a lot of money. And I looked at him and I said, you're welcome to come here. I don't care what you do. I don't care uh, about anything. You will learn really quickly that when we talk about offering, it's something between you and the Lord. And no, there is no pay slip that you need to show me because I don't care. So that's part of the reason why sometimes I'm like, kind of like hesitant, but guys, I mean, when we love each other, we have to do it like if it's family, because that's how God treats us. And he continues saying, honoring, preferring one another. So I don't really care, and I'm not trying to be mean, but I don't really care what you do for a living or whatever. I only care if you love God, and I only care if you're being a true disciple. And when I say I only care about those things, it's because if you're not, then I will care to help you. I will evangelize you. And I will try to edify you and I will try to put you in the right path. Anything else, it's completely irrelevant. It is. Because I don't see Dell. I mean, and that's why I call him Tio, because I love this guy. And, and honestly, when I see him, I'm not thinking, oh, he's the leader of this fellowship. I mean, I don't care because it's not important. It's not important. I tell people, just call me Alex. Who cares? I'm not going to tell you my nickname because in this country it's very offensive, but it's bimbo. Um, um, and I said it out loud and it's recorded now. So, oh, well, it's a teddy bear that sells bread. So if you have seen the bimbo bread, it's just a Mexican brand. And it just, you know, that's my nickname. So people in Costa Rica call me that, not even Alex. And I was completely fine because I didn't care. Because it's not something that I was holding to. Because I know that you're a servant. You're supposed to be like Christ. So it doesn't matter. You just love them with brotherly love. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Now this one is hard for me. Because I like sloths. And sloths is an emblem in Costa Rica now. So they're super cute. But the Bible says that it's not good to be slothful. So I'm so sorry guys. So what does that mean? It means that you need to be, uh, or should I say, you have to be diligent. You cannot be negligent. So one of the biggest problems that we have as Christians is stuff like, I don't want to learn my Bible. I want somebody else to learn the Bible for me and give me the summary. 
And sometimes that's why we struggle because I have this notes here. And sometimes I'm like, if I put them online, am I like doing a disservice or I'm doing service to my, to my brothers? Well, it really depends. Because I found out that some people in Costa Rica were downloading the notes and they were just preaching basically word by word, you know? And in my head, I was thinking, well, I mean, the name, the name of Christ, I mean, that Bible says, says that some people do it to have, you know, uh, fight and stuff. So if the word of God is being preached, I guess it's okay. But at the same time, I'm thinking, don't be lazy. Learn your Bible, you know? How do you serve? Do you serve all the way? You serve halfway? You serve 23%, 23.3%? I mean, how much do you serve? It should be all of it. And one of those things that I love, when I came here, I was in discovery mode, um, which is basically like observing everything that we did and how we did it before I was kind of like feeling like confident to commit and all that stuff. Um, and one of the things that I, I loved is, is prayer, how much this church loves praying, how much this church talks about prayer. That's something that most times churches don't talk about. And the other one was every leader is a servant. And I thought to myself, isn't that awesome? Not because it's not, it's biblical, right? It should be obvious. But I'm, I'm, I'm done with the guys coming to church saying, I have a degree on this and this, therefore I should be in charge of everything. You can't even move a chair and you want to come and lead whatever? Are you serious? Because you think you have a degree on whatever? Well, that's great. I have a degree too. Pfft, who cares? That's not how it works. That's not how God is going to use you. You know? Fervent in spirit will be the opposite of being slothful, right? And again, Christ died 100%. So how do you serve Christ? 100%. Serving the Lord, and this is the key. The key is that you are serving God. When you're here, you're not serving Dell. I mean, technically you are, but technically you should be thinking that you're serving the Lord, right? So if he fails... Or if someday he doesn't do something according to your cool standard, then you shouldn't feel bad about it because it's not about him. It's about a Christ. So you should serve Christ with your all in all. Simple as that. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing in instant prayer. Your hope is Christ. And I told you, I was in a very dark place. So I don't have time for my testimony because it's like 50 minutes long. Um, but in, in a nutshell, I, when I was 16, 17, I was already drinking and all that stuff socially, like since I was like 13, uh, my parents never found out about that until like I was like 18 and it was like a shocker because I was like the, the good student. I made good grades and they never understood how is it that I was like supposed to be messed up. Now they're not Christians again, so they will not understand this, but I was suffering from depression and anxiety and I was also turning into suicidal thoughts. My plans were really dumb, so I don't know how I got a degree in engineering because it would involve like heavy person from like a super like thin piece of plastic hanging from it and clearly it will snap. So somehow I got an engineering degree. I don't know why, but the point is I, I said, Lord, if, or I said, God, because I didn't say, Lord, I said, God, if you're, re if you're real, reveal yourself. It makes no sense for me to suffering like this. 
I know that there's something out there and I don't understand this. So if you're real, I need you to reveal yourself or otherwise, you know what? There is no purpose to keep living like this because I'm like seriously in a pit. Now I'm 16, 17 when I say that. Guys, pray for the student ministry. It's real. You might be thinking, but that kid looks so happy. Both parents are professionals. He has everything, all the tennis shoes he wants. He goes to the beach like two or three months a year. Yes, because that's what we do in Costa Rica. You know, <laughs> not here, but, but like outside, it looked like that. Inside, I was completely destroyed. And then the Lord sent someone that was praying for me for six months. He invited me to his church and he used uh, so okay. Now that I know more about the Bible, I know that it was an okay church in the moment with the wrong even Bible version and everything. But he used that to save me. And then he put me a mentor. And then this mentor somehow said, hey, maybe we should go to this guy. He's from the States. He's another missionary. He might be able to teach you the Bible because I think you need that in this stage of your life. And then 20 years later, I'm in an MBT. Isn't that cool how that works? But Christ is my hope. So I rejoice in that. Patient and tribulation. Paul describes this as uh, for our light affliction, which is uh, but of a moment. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16, uh, 18. Light affliction. Now that I'm like saved 20 years later, I can see my depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts as a light thing at the moment. Obviously, at the moment was the most important thing. I was thinking about taking my life, guys. But now, through Christ, seeing what Christ, I mean, like, whoa, that just seems so small. And I rejoice. I rejoice because of what God did. Continue instead in prayer. How is your prayer? Are you praying for your fellowship? Um, brothers and sisters and since this has to do with missions I want to do something and I'm already out of time so I'm going to go to plan B somehow right so this is what we're going to do the last verse says distributing the necessity of the saints given to hospitality so what are you doing with your possessions and what are you doing with your home do you open your home for other people and the reason why I'm saying this is because I'm trying to do a personal application now if you guys heard, you know, like uh, known about how we do things, we have a, a historical application with happened in history or, you know, in, in real life than what happened doctrinally. And then a personal application, we can find different ones. There's many, you know, each one of us can find a different one. So I'm going to use a personal application of things that we can see in missions. So really quick, I'm going to go through this. Go to the first picture. Okay. Yeah. Do you know your missionaries in Latin America? I'm going to just go through them fast so you see pictures, try to see some faces. Go ahead. So do you know the Carters? Okay, they're in uh, Republica Dominicana, right? And here are some prayer requests. Now, I told you I have a plan. So in case that I was running out of time, I have a more detailed version of this here, okay? You can take one and even better yet, if you would like to get this newsletter every month, on that column over there, facing the coffee, over there, that way, that column over there. 
there is like links and QR codes that you can scan with your phone. Join my MBT. I'll create you a profile. And if you want me to, I will join you to the Latin America team. And then you'll get newsletters every month. So you can pray for them. You don't have to come to our meetings, but hey, it wouldn't hurt for you to be informed so you can pray for this. We have five or six missionaries, which means that eventually, maybe you should be considering joining the team and work with me because there's going to be a time where I'm not going to be able to visit them, all of them. It'll be nice, someone else to split the work with, okay? So you know the Carters. Do you know the Clarks in Colombia? Do you know the Diaz? These are the people that are leading our church in Costa Rica, the church that I was pastoring. Uh, he was, uh, he's actually the dad of one of my uh, oldest friends and also disciples. I trained him in, in, in the Bible. So he took my spot on the pulpit. So that's actually a, a really cool thing. Um, do you know the Reyes, which is the Iglesia Bautista No Esperanza? You know Ruben and you know Karen. This is the new leadership. Have you met them? Do you know who they are? I'll try to do a better job getting a picture because the logo, you can't meet them with the logo, right? Do you know the Salazars? You know these guys. You know, we love these guys. Do you pray for them? You know, and, and I'm putting just a, a key family, right? Because this, this, this team grew. You guys have no idea what it is for them to have the shites and have uh, uh, chalk down there. They were very lonely. And I don't say that like in a weird teenager way. No, like ministry can get lonely because you don't have people to share with. And then if you're really dedicated, then you realize that the average Christian is hard to feel like, you know, like you're, you're getting that grinding and that prayer and that, you know, brotherly love. Right. So now that they have the shites and the, uh, and the Castros and, and Chuck, it's just like a big gigantic family and like the 300 kids that they have at church, which is really cool. Do you know the walkers in Argentina? These guys have been going through a lot. They were shut down because one of them had COVID. So the government stepped in and shut down their house and said, you're not gathering, figure it out. Until you guys are clear, there's no church here. And some of them are struggling right now with needing to find a new apartment or a new place to, 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 to be because the current renter said, ah, your lease is up and we're not going to renew it. Imagine. That's where they do ministry. Are we praying for that? So the last, um, the last thing is personal application. Grab those Bible verses from Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to verse uh, 13. And then ask yourself this, because these are keywords that we just saw. How is my love for missions? How is my honor to missions? How do you put your missionaries above you? Do you treat them nicely? When they come here to Mission Focus, do you take them out for dinner or for lunch? Do you give them a hug? Do you tell them you're praying for them? Or you're like, uh, yeah, they'll come once a year and they expect to be like a big thing. No, that's the wrong attitude, right? And, and I'm sorry because I know that sometimes we, we do this kind of stuff. How's your spirit? It's a fervent spirit for missions. Guys, are you saving money to support missionaries? Are you saving money for you to go to the mission field and, and taste it? Look, it's a one week, a two week tops. It's too short of a time to be able to like do real long lasting missionary work. But maybe it's just a taste for you to be like, hey, I could relocate to Costa Rica. The Shites did that. 
uh, Chuck Bishop did that, right? Maybe you should relocate to Latin America. Maybe you should relocate to Middle East. Maybe you should go to Israel. Maybe you should go somewhere else. It doesn't have to be Latin America, guys. We have tons of other missionaries that you can support. How is your service? How is your rejoice? Do you rejoice with them? How is your prayer? Are you praying for them? One of my, my, my concerns, one of the things that I'm afraid about is, do we pray for missionaries only a missionary prayer night, which is every two months? I mean, seriously? The reason why we have this online and I put it there is because I want you to have it at home. Print it like this, put it next to your desk, along with the other prayer requests that you have. Pray for them every day. Pray for them every day. How is your distribution? I just already said that. How much are you setting aside to help, you know, in missions? 10 bucks, 20 bucks. You might be thinking it's not a lot. Believe me, when you're running a ministry for $400, like the, like Doug Pearson, I met him in 2009. I was amazed that back in the day it was $300 what he was receiving as a missionary. And he says, oh, it's, it's efficient. In India, it's efficient. My jaw dropped. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. How is my hospitality for missions? Next time that Dev sends you a, a, a note saying that we need to host them, give them a room, give them a, give them a ride. How's your hospitality? Do you get out of your way to actually go serve them? So let's pray because it's already 1030 and we have to go. So God, thank you very much for this time. Thank you very much for the opportunity of being able to share the, the word of your word, Lord with my brothers and sisters here in Faith Fellowship. Lord, thank you for Dell, for Serene, Lord. Thank you for the leadership that it's in this class. Um, we might not spend a lot of time together because we're always in our different ministries, but we love them, Lord. I love them. My family thinks greatly about um, people here that I, I, I can honestly say that I'm starting to, to call them my real friends. You know, families that I would like to be around and families that I would like my daughter to be around. And that's a big deal. That's a big, gigantic deal. Um, so thank you for the blessing of MBT and Lord, that this message help us, you know, to, to, to get our Christian duties and missions straight and right. Because we need to. We have to. Because you died on the cross for us. And you died all the way. There is no half-baked solutions or or half-baked, like, you know, or, or halfway uh, commitments, Lord. It's it's all in. It's all in for you, Lord. And and I pray that that's what we get from this. Not that the guy, the new guy, just exhorted me and, and told me a few things that made me upset. I mean, that's, that's not what we're trying to do here. We're trying to get us in the right path of how to invest and do our Christian duties the right way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.